this morning, we're going to be kicking off a new series called Legacy. A legacy is something that someone leaves behind that is of value. It's when someone leaves a mark on their generation that lasts. I'm going to show it to you here. This is the two definitions of it. Something of value left for someone else or to leave a mark that lasts. Legacy is a big word. It's actually the word of the year this year. I didn't know that until last night. But it's the word of the year this year. We have this series planned for, well, about nine months. And what God is going to show us today is, yes, it is critically important for all of us to be having the mindset of leaving a legacy, leaving something of value that is left for the next generation, making our mark in this life that will outlast our life. But most often, legacy is referred to a financial bestowment upon others. And that's all well and good. I have three grandsons, and I would love to be able to be in a position in life to leave a legacy of some sort for them when it comes to material things. But that's not what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about a far greater impact. You see, gold will tarnish. Money loses its value. Property changes hands. The stock market goes up and it goes down. I'm talking about leaving a legacy that is eternal. That is the most important thing of value that we can leave for the next generation. It is the absolute greatest mark that we can make with our life is to make an eternal impact and leave a legacy for those that are to come. And there's a man in the Bible that left a pretty amazing legacy. His name is Joshua. He was the apprentice of Moses. Moses was the deliverer of God's people, leading them out of centuries of bondage in Egypt, leading them through the Red Sea and out to their freedom. What's interesting, though, in Moses' time of leading God's people and serving God's people is how long that journey actually took. The Bible says, and we know this to be true to this day, that it is only an 11-day journey by foot from Egypt to Canaan. But that 11-day journey turned into a 40-year wandering. Because somewhere along the lines, and it was actually pretty quickly, as soon as they crossed the Red Sea, the people lost perspective of what God had done in their lives. They lost perspective of the value of the mark that Moses was leading with. And they began to complain and say, it would be better for us to be back in bondage than to be out here in the middle of nowhere. So that 11-day journey turns into a 40-year expedition. And in that 40 years, there will be a lot of things that take place, but one of them was the provoking of the anger within Moses when God's people still chose in the middle of all these miracles to make false idols and worship them instead of worshiping God. And Moses, in his anger, he breaks the Ten Commandments. And that cost him everything. He was now not able to enter into the promised land. Now the mantle would be passed on to Joshua to lead God's people through. And Joshua would do a fine job. 
they would take the Ark of the Covenant across the Jordan River, and when they struck the Jordan River, the water stopped just like the Red Sea, and they were able to pass through. And Joshua would begin to build an amazing legacy for each and every one that was within the nation of Israel. But then something interesting happens. And we're going to jump right to it in Judges chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. It says, previously, when Joshua had sent the people away, once they crossed the Jordan, the Israelites had gone out to take possession of the land, each to his own inheritance. That's a legacy in itself. All of the different men and women from the tribes of Israel were now given a parcel of land to make their own. And then it continues on. The people worshipped the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime. And during the lifetimes of the elders who outlived Joshua. What a legacy. What a way to leave a mark. Not only did the people worship the Lord in his lifetime, but after he passed, those that were closest to him continued to lead the same exact way, always pointing to God. They had seen all the Lord's great works that he had done for Israel. You see, they had seen the good works. They saw with their eyes the miracles. They saw water come out of a rock. They saw food from heaven be supplied for all these people, millions of people. They saw all of these incredible great miracles, and when they encountered God's power, it stuck. It left a mark. I think the greatest, I have no other word for it, I don't like the word fear an awful lot because I don't like to fear anything. But if I have a fear, it is this, that I would serve this amazing church and lead in a way that would give us a form of godliness but deny the power within. Jesus wants to build a church that is full of the power of God so that every generation to come will always know who the Lord is. And this is where Joshua falls short, because watch this now. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, he died at the age of 110. They buried him in the territory of his inheritance, in Timnah, Sarah, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. That whole generation was also gathered to their ancestors, but then something startling takes place. After them, another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works that he had done for Israel. We are facing this season in our nation, in this world right now. In my great-grandfather's generation, 78% of people in America declare Jesus is the way. In my grandfather's generation, it fell only to 72%. In my father's generation, it fell to 68%, just slowly, slowly dipping. But in my generation, it dropped to abysmal 38%. In my daughter's generation, it's devastating, 4%. And in the generation that we are raising in our schools right now, it is 1%. 0.7%. 
We have another generation that has risen up who do not know the Lord, nor do they know the works and the power that the Lord has done. And that is not the Lord's fault. You see, Joshua did an amazing job at building a legacy for those who had witnessed it with their own eyes. But what I want to speak about today is building a legacy that lasts. That lasts beyond one person, one generation, to build a legacy that lasts generation after generation after generation. And the only way that that is possible is that we make sure with everything on the inside of us, in our church family, in our individual families, in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, that the power of God is not denied. Because it is the power of God that changes people's lives. I cannot change a single life. You cannot change a single soul. But we can be and we will be the vessels of honor that are sanctified, set apart, and ready to be used by God for his great works. And Joshua, he started it the right way. So today I want to give you three very simple, teachable points on how to build a legacy that lasts. And the first one we learn from Joshua himself, number one, is we must educate the next generation. Joshua 1 verse 8, this is what Joshua said upon the coming of the Holy Spirit with him, this book of instruction. Now remember, Joshua is being used of the Holy Spirit to write Joshua. So what we know the Bible to be today was now in the midst of being written. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything that is written in it. For then, for then, you will, a promise from God, you will prosper and succeed in whatever. Somebody say whatever. Like not whatever, but whatever. Right? Whatever you do. So if you want every single thing that your hand touches to be blessed, if you want every place that your feet step into to be blessed, if you want everything that surrounds you and encompasses who you are, what you do, then you must, you must observe everything written in the Word of God. And you must meditate on it, both day and night. I want to encourage you this morning, if you don't have a family Bible, Buy one and put it out on display in your, in your living room, your dining room, wherever it would be. I know this feels a little bit old school. Most of us say, well, yeah, my grandparents did that. And there's a reason why this nation was blessed the way that it was through the builder's generation, the boomer's generation, because they did certain things that we may look at as tradition, but they saw something greater to it. I'll never forget when I found out about my family heritage on my father's side. 
My great-grandfather and his brother moved from Ireland during the Great Famine to America. And they were planting potato farms up north in Pennsylvania, western Pennsylvania, and eastern Ohio. And when my grandfather passed away, I was at my uncle's house for the wake. And my uncle called me into his den and he said, I want to show you something and then I want to give you something. He said, for generations, when our family came over to plant those potato seeds, with every seed that they planted, they cried out to God that God would raise up a righteous seed from our lineage that would sow the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. And he said to me, you are the least likely I thought would do it. And I, I can't fault him. I was the black sheep of the family for sure. He said, but there is no doubt in my heart, Chris, that they were praying for you. You see, sometimes we can feel like we just arrived somewhere. But the truth is there's been generation upon generation before you declaring things that you don't even have a comprehension of or maybe even knowledge of that have built something towards something that God has always designed to be. And I'll never forget, my grandmother and grandfather were not, you know, church folks the way that I would have thought they would be if they were Christians. They went to church, they loved God, but they didn't push God on anybody. And I found a value in that. But I can tell you one thing, even as an unbeliever, I looked forward to going to their house because I knew there was a peace in their house that I could find nowhere else. And I remember every time I went, I was exhausted from doing things I shouldn't be doing. And I look forward to going to grandma's and grandpa's because I would get a really good meal three times a day. My grandfather would take me out and teach me how to work with my hands. He would give me a bowl cut haircut because I hadn't had a haircut in months. I'm not exaggerating. He put a bowl on my head. You remember those old bowls that had like the double layer to them? Popped it right on my head, just cut straight. I looked like Dumb and Dumber all the way through. And I was living with my mama back in the inner city. That didn't go over real well with the fellas back on the block. But I'll never forget this. Every single time I look forward to laying on their couch in their living room, there was an old mini grandfather clock behind me that would dong at every hour for each hour that it was. And on that same table laid a holy Bible. And in it was written, 